him. Do you remember that last week I posted a quick survey on Instagram in my stories asking you all a few questions about what you would like me to keep in mind as I approach season two. Thank you so much for the folks who did take it. It is super helpful. And now you get to be the voices in my head that tell me what to do when I'm stuck making a decision. Lahari, talk more about Bridgerton. No, no one actually put that, but I could really talk about the Duke of Hastings at any point. I just have to get this off my chest. Um, but focusing back, I saw that one of the things that was very popular was the request for shorter episodes. And it seems like the ideal time frame is around 30 minutes. That is a totally reasonable ask. And I really appreciate you for helping me change the course and direction of Down to Brown. So first rule problems though, is that sometimes the conversation is literally that good. It is a great problem to have. So when the discussion gets a little longer and I don't want to spare you the brilliance of the guest's words, I promise to split it into two parts and make this ish more digestible and listenable. So this week I am pinching myself because the one and only Milk and Cardamom agreed to talk to me. Me, guys. Me. I am so honored. We'll be splitting this into two episodes, though, because it got really fun. And I don't think that there's anything I would want to omit from what Hedla Vasavada says, the founder of Milk and Cardamom. So let's get right to it. Down to Brown season two, premiering with Heito. I'm so excited to have Heito Vasavada here. She is the, if you don't know her already, she is the founder of Milk and Cardamom. She also has a fantastic cookbook, Instagram account, and bake shop where she does this work and has been expanding her virtual presence through Instagram um, and has been doing a kick-ass job of it. She's also been a previous MasterChef contestant. So all the things, all the overachieving things. Welcome, <laughs> Hathel. Every brown parent's dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, can you um, please mention these like 20 accomplishments <laughs> before? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just so glad I was introduced to you. Uh, my friend invited me to her 30th virtual celebration and you did that awesome pizza class where we like devoured your pizza like within 30 seconds of making it. Um, and you said that this is something that you've been doing more recently, right? This year, your virtual classes? Yeah, honestly, since the pandemic started, I never did online classes until quarantine hit and I had to pivot my business. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I know that was quite the year for a lot of businesses, but can you give us a little bit of a quick background on, yeah, what was 2020 like for you? Uh, my husband makes fun of me because he's like, 2020 sucked for so many people, but for you, it seemed to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So my normal job before, I guess, 2020 was to be um, a social media and food photography consultant for like a lot of San Francisco restaurants and food businesses. Uh -huh. And then when quarantine hit, all their, you know, marketing budgets pretty much went to shit. So 
I was on my own and I started just kind of cooking on Instagram live and that blew up. And eventually I was like, like people kept asking me to do like recipes for my cookbook. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to share these recipes unless you pay me. Yeah. Um, Cause I worked really hard in that cookbook. Of course. And this is your business. Like, exactly. yeah, this is so your talent. Like, I'll start an online class. So I started doing online classes um, and then eventually started offering more things, doing like private parties, like your friend Anila did for the pizza class. Um, and it just kind of blew up from there. And now I'm like booked into March. Oh my gosh. I like love it. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I mean, I know we saw in general, like the cooking industry and engagement online just skyrocketed because there was nothing really else we could do in 2020. We were cooking more in the kitchen. We were spending so much time at home. And I, I love that it was able to bring to the front talent like yourself. I mean, I really enjoy like your classes are personable. It's really you give a lot of tips like you're not stingy about the, you know, <laughs> the secret trademarks. And um, so it's really, really helpful. And I found myself actually being able to implement a lot of things after, too. So I'm super grateful for chefs like yourself who are sharing the love. Yeah, I feel like it's been I mean, in the last year, I went from 20,000 followers to almost 75,000 followers which is one like insane growth. That's not normal. I mean, right? it's not TikTok growth where like, <laughs> people got like a million followers in like three months. <laughs> well, it looks like Alara is taking care of the TikTok dances on your account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing, by the way, your story of her dancing while you were doing your class. You know, was... I'm pretty sure people come for the food and stay for you, Alara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's your Tyra Banks. Yeah. <laughs> And so, I mean, I'm so like, congratulations on 2020's success for you. I know a lot of people feel sort of odd when a year like that, good things happen. There's a lot of guilt, but I think mm -hmm. it's okay to celebrate like when certain situations evolve and it seems to work. Um, I think there's a lot to be grateful for and that's what you sound like. Um, and so it is very cool to see that growth for you. Um, but you know, it's easy like when it becomes successful to look back and say like, okay, well that worked out. But it's also, you know, things like cooking and other basically careers that aren't science engineering um, mm -hmm. are a little more challenging for us, especially as Indian Americans, because our parents might be a little bit more skeptical of the risk that it involves. Um, so how was that for you growing up? Like now you can tell your parents like, look, ma, I made it. But before that, how did you end up in the culinary space? And like, what yeah. were some of the responses you got? So, I mean, growing up, I wanted to be like, a, I wanted to be an archaeologist. That was like my OG career want. Indiana uh, Jones much? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I want to discover stuff and like be in dirt and, you know, see how people lived. And I remember being like in first or second grade and my mom's um, cousin, my mama, sat me down and was like, you can't be an archaeologist. They don't make money. <laughs> and like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not just saying like two sentences. Like he sat me down and was like, this is not a career you should have. And how old were you? I was like in first or second grade. Oh and I remember gosh. like crying about this and being <laughs> very upset and not understanding. Uh, 
And then as I got older, you know, healthcare was pretty much driven into like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to go in healthcare. And uh, I ended up majoring biochemistry, graduated. I got a master's in biomedical sciences and worked as an analytical chemist and organic chemistry research and all that stuff. Um, But the funny thing is all the jobs I had to help pay for my degrees are the ones that kind of led me here. Uh, Mm. I worked as a line cook, a waitress. I worked as a, um, like a medical biller. Mm -hmm. And then that led me to work at Columbia University Medical Center to be a reporting analyst there. So I mashed my like Excel skills that I got from chemistry and my, you know, healthcare business skills. And I worked there and I ended up getting a job out in San Francisco as a healthcare consultant. Oh, wow. And so at what point did you end up maneuvering? Because it does sound like you were naturally gravitating towards the space, almost like magnetically. Mm -hmm. Um, So what brought you ultimately to purely dedicate your time here? So I always like had my blog all throughout college, but it was like for no one but me. Like the photos are hideous. The recipes make zero to little no sense to anyone else but (laughs) me. Like it was just a place for me to like write my recipes and have access to be able to go back to it for myself. Um, and I didn't start writing for other people until I was working as a healthcare consultant, hated my job and I was baking for my team. So I'd be like, all right guys, if we hit these, you know, goals, then I'll bake uh, this cake. If we don't, then I'll bake like some fail cake. Uh, (laughs) And and then it got to like, oh, hey, Hethel, can you like cater our Monday morning meetings? Like, can you like, I consistently brought food into the office. I even did things like bread week where every single day I'd bring a different loaf of bread in that I baked oh with some butter. So it'd be like challah and sourdough and brioche and, and I did cookies. I would have loved to have been your coworker. <laughs> the funny thing is it did really well for my career because ain't nobody hate the co worker that brings in all the sweets. Absolutely. Not. Especially the fail cake. Like, wow, yeah. like, talk about employee engagement. And I mean, I got like the attention of all the big bosses because they would obviously come into the lunchroom and see, like, you know, all these cookies and all these baked goods. And they want to know, like, who's doing all of this. Yeah. So you're, you're like, I'm getting all these promotions. Like, I don't. <laughs> So if anyone's listening out there is looking to like, you know, increase their career perspectives when you all are back in the office, start baking. This is the time a lot of companies are doing performance reviews now. So take the word of Hathel, bake a cake. Yeah. So I eventually, I hated my job. One, the company was just terrible. Um, Not very diverse not very like like they wouldn't give me time off for my wedding because the idea of a wedding that was more than one day blew their mind Mm. Uh, not inclusive not inclusive I got in trouble for like my tights not matching my skin tone Um, oh wow like just a lot of stupid things Um, so I was over it 
I was like, I'm out. I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. Uh, so it's head. interesting to hear those things yeah. now with today's lens because mm-hmm. similarly, like back in the day, I, I worked in a manufacturing facility and they like didn't like when I highlighted my hair red, mm-hmm. which I did when I went to Hyderabad to visit mm-hmm. my parents. And like, it's so common for brown people to have like yeah. red highlights. It's like not even wild and like Rihanna, like mm-hmm. when we do it. But um, they, yeah, like gave me feedback that I didn't look professional. And when I went to headquarters, people felt like they couldn't take me as seriously. Um, which I thought like blew my mind. Right. And like, but yeah. back then you're like young and you're like, this feels off, but okay. Um, and now you realize like how much you can actually call that out. Um, and it was not okay, but especially the piece, what you shared about your wedding, like that, that hurts. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they knew they screwed up because then they took me into a room a couple weeks later and like tried to apologize and told me not to tell anyone that. Oh my like, gosh. They tried to like, do that but they still wouldn't give me the time off because that would mean that they admitted that they were wrong yeah no wonder yeah you were probably like well it's time to move on and the worst part is my co-workers like they to me they'd be like oh that sucks I'm so sorry but no one did anything yeah no one gets it no. you're like it's not just something like you know it might be like a sucky experience but when you don't speak up you realize like oh so you're saying that it's sort of like I do have to conform to this too mm-hmm. it's okay yeah so it, like it annoyed me that no one did any no one took my side mm-hmm. and I'm like are you serious yeah I'd be like raising the ground down if something like this happened to any one of you guys I know yeah. especially bitches in their wedding like come yeah. on <laughs> like you're kidding so I was just like I'm over it Root was like just quit so I tried to start a uh like a cookie business I quit I tried I traveled with my husband for a little bit came back tried to start a cookie business didn't have the confidence to actually do it and then he's like why don't you try it for MasterChef to see how you compare it to other home cooks and oh I'm like, wow oh okay yeah that's a good idea because that'll let me know if I actually am good or if people are just blowing smoke up my ass because <laughs> um, you know your friends or family are gonna be like oh it's so good both at us that's wonderful uh, totally <laughs> it's like when your mom's like you're pretty you're like of course you say that mom <laughs> I look like you yeah <laughs> you have to say that but man I didn't realize your boo was the one that pushed you to do that yeah, yeah he totally was like what a good support I know and I was like hella scared because I was never in a position where I could actually quit a job ever in my life so he like was like, we're good. I mean, we had, we had dink money, you know, double income, no, <laughs> yeah. no kids. Yeah. So he's like, we're good. We don't, we, we can live off our one. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, anyway. that's, that is a sacrifice, but yeah. I'm really glad you were in a position where, you know, didn't like Ilara and everything, right. You didn't have yeah. to worry as much about all that yet. Yeah. And then I tried out and he didn't think I was going to make it as far as I did, but I did it. Even yeah. I was like, wasn't sure. <laughs> Guess I was like, it, girl. First, I was like, yo, the first meat challenge, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. So I would really love to ask you more about that because that is something that, I mean, in, in your like hearing you talk about it, you're like, I didn't even realize I tried it. And like, hey, I'm in there. 
once you're on the show though as a viewer right you're like oh my god i'm so glad she did this there must have been some strategic work here because she is representing our mm. people right so like this ca like endeavor to you know like i'm going to take a chance on my career or ends up having so much weight to it from the oh, audience yeah. perspective because suddenly it means everything because there are so few of us up there in front of us in tv um and especially the culinary space is not very represented like I have my fan favorites growing up, but I look back and I'm like, you know, I love them. They're mostly white. And mm -hmm. that doesn't always reflect, you know, the token curry that they make where they throw some cumin seeds in doesn't really cover my experience. So I'm I'm really curious, like when you went to MasterChef, what was that like? And how, did you feel aware of that role that you were playing as one of the few South Asian contestants there? Oh, 100%. Um, I like stress out. I mean, there's already pressure because you're like, I'm representing my parents. Yeah. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm representing my people. And then I'm, oh my God, I'm representing a country. <laughs> oh, and then I'm representing vegetarians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all like, the oh, pressure. <laughs> and so, with all that, like, please go perform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's a reason why I cried like every episode. <laughs> I know one you posted where you were like so relieved yeah. to have been called. I can't imagine how emotional that was, though. Can you tell us a little bit more like oh anything that you vividly remember? Well, one, they like make sure you're like at a insanely high emotional state. So they'll do things where like you're now to read, write, look at each other, talk to each other after like they do the hands up. You know, mm -hmm. like in the video. So like you're in your head. You're like, did my chicken cook correctly? Is it raw? Did I forget to put this on the plate? Did I make this sauce right? Did I taste this correctly? Um, and you're just like all up in your head for like the next three, four hours while they do beauty shots. And then oh, the first time you get gosh. to talk is like when you're at the judge's table and you're like vomiting emotions in front of one <laughs> Ramsey. Yeah. Like if you look any of the past videos I'm like moving side to side rocking back and forth because I'm like vibrating with so much like emotion and energy yeah it's such a it's build like up, pent up. <laughs> yes exactly. it sounds like an emotional climax to be honest when you're finally allowed to talk yeah. <laughs> exactly and you're like oh my god uh and then on top of it they like expect you to act confident when you're not because they're like oh if you're not confident then we'll get rid of you but so you're supposed to put on this face of like, everything I do is the best. Everything's wonderful. Um, or like exude this crazy amount of self-confidence because they assume that if you're not self-confident, then you don't deserve the win. Yeah. Oh, I, I had no idea about that part, it, but it makes sense, you know. Um, and you forget how much there's happening behind the scenes. Like it's easy for us to be like, oh, but they could have done this or they could have said yeah. this. But I imagine, no. yeah, like even just knowing that there's like a freaking beauty shot in the middle, like who has yeah. time for that when you're like, I just put my life's I mean, work out there. They set you up to fail because it makes good TV. Like right. I remember in one of the challenges, it was the steak challenge and we we're supposed to feed like, I think it was a hundred plus people, but we only had 60 minutes and we're supposed to put a plate out every 20 seconds and I'm like well 20 seconds times 100 people da, 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 da. I'm like that's more than an hour yeah I'm like there's no way you could feed like 100 people in that time right 
Oh my gosh. But it's probably a situation where they're like, well, you're on our show. You're welcome. So yeah. <laughs> we'll so cause you. I, it, do they have like therapy on site? No, they don't, but they do make you see a psychiatrist before you like when you get kicked off. Oh, okay. And you have to do a psych exam before you get on. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. That, yeah. So, I like also though, like I, it's hard enough sometimes being Indian and being put in that position. Like we've all been there, right? Where like there's a whole group at a cocktail party and like they start to ask you like, well, what about like women's rights in India? And like everyone turns to you and you suddenly become like the prime minister mm-hmm. of India, like mm-hmm. the PR press release. And so that pressure can be really difficult. So oh, yeah. do you remember any experiences like especially now, like take that a step further. Now you have like a platform that is international and people are looking at you that way. Do you remember any strange experiences or questions that you got in this experience? Oh my God. I mean, it was two ways from the audience. I had Indian people saying my food wasn't authentic Mm -hmm. because I made kitchidi for one of the episodes, but they didn't have mug. So they, I used green lentils instead. Um, then I had, you know, non-Desis who are like, all she does is cook Indian food, so she can't be master chef because a master chef should know how to do everything. But I'm sure like, you know, average Joe who won a season back all made barbecue. Yeah. And it's totally fine for him to win. To me, it's like insane. The standard we put, like, forget that's why like part of this conversation and like when we in these episodes, it's it's not just our relationship like us against them where it's like, right, like the American reception mm-hmm. of Indian. Um, but in that Indian American dash, it's also the Indian community that can be even more savage at times. Mm-hmm. Like to say that people have the ability to grant you your Indian card based on your cooking is wild to me. Right. Like there's and also like to your point, like most of these contestants might just cook French food and they're considered the master chef because the narrative has always been the master cuisine is Western. Um, So I, I, that is something actually I specifically really love about your work and your brand is that you stay really true to the food and you don't change the names, right. Where you're like, Oh, this is a tortilla. Like it's, it's roti, you know, (laughs) or like um, that I really, even gulab jamun cake, one of your best sellers and like, you know, claim to fame is not, you know, rose donut, blah, blah, blah. You like really call it what it is. You explain what it is. You use all the ingredients and don't soften it. And it tastes like I was like, this is a good substitute for like my mom's gulab jamun until I can see my mom again, you know? So um, I, how did you make that decision to not compromise that even with that type of feedback where, you know, haters are going to hate? Well, one of it was like, I just want to call it what it is. Like, it already has a name. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of magazines and stuff will, like, give, you know, what was it, flaky bread for paratha and whatever, because yeah. it's for SEO purposes. But the thing is, like, the food already has a name and a language. Uh, just use it. Saying I'd much rather someone like butcher pronouncing my dishes than be like, this is a rose-soaked cardamom cake or a flaky bread or whatever right. it may be. Like, 
it's okay if you mess up saying it, but at least you know the proper name for it. That's interesting because, you know, there's also that conversation with even just like people's names where it's like, you know, to make it easier instead of hateful, you might Mm -hmm. go Hannah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like that piece. I mean, Indians have certainly done a really great job, especially some South Indians with like keeping the love with Subramanya, like Bala Krishna, like et cetera, et cetera, but not compromising that because it's that to that point of like, I'd rather not, you know, the integrity of my name than... um, change it for making it easier. Exactly. And the thing is, like, the more we say these things, the more normalized it becomes. Yeah. And it gets known by the actual name. I mean, it has to happen sometime. Like, a lot of my friends know how passionately critical I am about the fact that a lot of our cuisine tends to be the story and the narrative is told by other folks, not uh, Mm -hmm. Indian folks. And so, you know, turmeric lattes is the classic one I pick on where it's like, you know, the other day I went to Carmel, this coffee shop had uh, like a pump of turmeric syrup. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not how it works. (laughs) Like, you know, know, yeah. And so things like that, just like, but I also notice like we sometimes can be hesitant to claim that like, this is who I am. If it's uncomfortable, this is, I'm sorry, but this is what it is. And this is the story behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, even with your work, how have you been able to kind of figure out like ways to share that story without compromising what it is? I think I try to like just represent my food and who I am. Like you'll never see me trying to teach people how to make dosa. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to teach you how to make Punjabi food or anything else. I try to stay out of things that are not in my wheelhouse and leave that to someone that's an expert in that area. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be a representative for all of India. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, like, a lot of Indians expect the token Indian to represent, like, everyone expects that one person to represent them. And if their experience isn't the same as theirs, then it's not authentic or traditional, right? Yeah. So I... I try to make it very clear, like, this is my experience. This is the way I grew up with eating it um, so that I don't get that kind of feedback of, like, well, that's not how I grew up with it. I'm like, well, that's nice. This is how my family made it. And yeah. I make it very clear in my blog posts and in my talks or captions. Right. I appreciate that humility a lot. And that is something I'm really proud of with our communities is that there tends to be an acknowledgement of like, this is what I can do and I'll do that. But um, beyond the story that I can tell, whereas mm-hmm. like, for example, like this week, we saw a lot of that, um, the controversy around the Mojog board. Oh and yeah, that was like a classic case of if it's not in your wheelhouse, you don't need to be the one to sell it. You can mm-hmm. actually hand that mic over to the folks that did, you know, have that as a part of their heritage and upbringing and culture and then be able to let them have that limelight for that reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's so important, even with like our food industry, like being able to to your point, I love that you don't just to make it accessible, compromise the integrity of the food. Um, but I do worry that sometimes our Indian food is kind of slowly being colonized to a certain degree with mm-hmm. even, you know, fusion 
the like limits to fusion can sometimes go so far where you're like, well, this isn't even Indian food anymore. This like burrito, right? This Indian burrito or whatever. (laughs) So have you been seeing this a lot in your space? I think it's a part of also evolution of food, right? Like food is consistently changing according to immigration, according to colonization, the movement of people in general. So food is doing what it's always been doing, right? It's Mm -hmm. changing. I mean, let's be real. All our moms here in the U.S. guarantee all of our moms put masala in our pasta. Yeah, for sure. Ganajiru in our beans for tacos. Yes. Like, this is normal. Yeah. This is how, like, new foods are created. But, like, think, like, even in South Africa, you have, um, oh, my God, why am I? Bunny chow. Mm-hmm. Right? In Trinidad, you have doubles. And uh, they have, like, an alu burrata situation that's, like, a burrito. Mm-hmm. But the potatoes, they, like, mash it. Almost, like, mashed potato. Yum. Uh, it's, like, masala mashed potatoes inside of a burrata. And it's damn good. Or, like, their idea of what chutney is, right? Mm-hmm. The ingredients they had access to was so different than maybe the chutneys, you know, their ancestors had in India. Yeah. So these are all, this is all normal. I think the part is as who is the one that is creating and introducing and um, being the face of the recipe. Yeah, definitely. Right? Completely agree. 